What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Planet Today. It is Monday, December 12th, 2022. I'm your host, Matt Norton, here by myself today because we're about to air my interview with Graham Stewart of Fiber 52. Before we get into things, here's a quick note from one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Here on the planet today, we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy with two episodes every week coming your way Monday and Friday. And with that, we're going to get right into the interview. Just a heads up, I had some audio issues for two spots during this interview, so we had to go to the backup audio file. Doesn't sound as clear, but most of the interview sounds like you would expect it to. Today on TPT, we are joined by Graham Stewart of Fiber 52. Graham's an international textile and apparel production fiber-to-brand specialist who's developed and patented a more sustainable process to bleach and dye cotton over the past two years. Fiber 52 is an environmentally and cost-conscious processing for cotton that can impact global cotton production while consuming less energy, less water, and less processing time, and without the use of heavy chemicals. Graham Stewart, welcome to the planet today. Hey, Matt, thanks for inviting me on the pod. It's uh, really excited to be here. Yeah, we're very happy to have you. So I'd love to you know, start this at the source and find out what first got you interested in environmentalism and sustainability. Good question. I guess that goes back to when I was a kid, you know, back in England, um, where I lived was a textile town. And uh, the largest dye stuff maker or dye stuff factory in the whole world was at the back of my house. Um, so I kind of grew up with dye stuffs and the town had maybe more than a hundred textile mills. So I pretty much had to end up in textiles, you know, that, but, but what, what, what really got me into it was that even back in those early days, I questioned why the river went red one day and green the next, you know, it's that kind of thing. And why our clothes are always, you know, when we washed them, they got dirty and yeah, it stuck with me. And, um, that, that was really my early beginnings in 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 this area yeah pardon the pun here but it seems like you're a product of your environment <laughs> yeah died in the wolves yeah right <laughs> so how did you start working in textiles you know i guess you kind of alluded to that already but when when did you first start to take this sustainable textile route that you're into now quite a long way back um you know i was i was a dyer um a colorist um, the company I worked for was the, we were the biggest commercial dyers in Europe, um, private company. But you know, quite early on, things started to get banned. You know, we were again we were using heavy chemicals, chrome and all that kind of stuff to to modern the dye stuffs. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty heavy chemicals that were 
already getting a lot of attention. Um, and as I went through college, you know, I, I studied my degrees in um, dyeing and coloration, you know, coloration of textiles um, and polymer chemistry, um, organic chemistry, all that kind of stuff. And we, all my colleagues and I kind of got more and more interested in this as the restrictions, restrictions, sorry, honours were getting bigger and bigger by the by the day. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we wanted to get into that, get behind it. So, yeah, um, that was really the early days for me in, you know, understanding what was going on around, uh, you know, around Europe anyway, because that, you know, we weren't much outside that. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I feel like everyone that has their, their start in sustainability, I shouldn't say everyone, but it seems like most people kind of have that, Hey, something that is being done in this industry that I care about a lot could be done a lot better and a lot more environmentally conscious. Uh, I just need to figure out how we're going to get there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that, that's exactly me. I, um, you know, getting into fiber 52 was not by accident, but I, I had to forge my own supply chains nine years ago, nearly 10 years ago when I came to the US. Mm -hmm. You know, there'd been a demise in the textile industry, of course. Same back in England. Um, you know, a lot of it went out east, some of it went south. Um, but basically, our textile industry started to disappear. Um, I, I was making really um, knitted fabrics for against the skin and some outerwears and um, really trying to make environmental natural fabrics for sport for outdoor and um in that work i um i, I kind of i was in the dye house quite often you know for, for a few years and I, I i kept asking them why, why why are you wasting all this water guys you know and they haven't got an answer for me and uh, and, uh, and i mean a lot of water mm -hmm. well everybody else in the industry does it you know it's it's the way it goes and i said yeah but you could do it a little bit differently and what got me really into back into cotton was the fact that I saw the damage that was being done to cotton. They're using very heavy chemicals and um, long time, you know, long dwell times, sometimes taking nine, 10, 11 hours. By the time you've done that, the cotton's falling apart. You know, it's, it's taking on a lot of damage. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'd been working with, I've been working with bioproducts anyway, and I really got into replacing those heavies with bioproducts and catalyzing the process, making it faster so I could use lower temperatures, mm -hmm. do the dyeing much, much faster, use much less water. And therefore, you know, that was really my uh, start in Fiber 52. Um, and, and so it started to get quite a bit of interest. And, you know, I have to say, I started buying my own cotton, make, you know, it was trial and error. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of error, I've got to say, but you know that's that's how I actually got there, and finally two years ago patented Fiber Fifty Two, and now we've, we're we're patenting Fiber Fifty Two as a process, by the way. So Fiber Fifty Two is a process which can be transferred to just about anywhere in in cotton processing industry, and may I say, the you know, cotton in textiles globally is a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's second only to polyester. And so it should be more sustainable because it's not a petrol-based fiber, as right. polyester is. You know, it's, it should be a more sustainable fiber. I mean, there are arguments there, but let's face it, it's natural. You, who knows? You know, I mean, I've got to tell you, one of the nice side effects of this environmental process is it leaves cotton a lot stronger. So it may challenge polyester. It's more recyclable. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is it does the nice things that 
let's say, man-made fibers were invented or synthetic fibers were invented for in that uh, it's stronger, but it also has um, a big comfort factor. And I use those words advisedly because it's not just, um, you know, cotton normally, if you go, you know, on a run or in your hot environment, it yeah. just it just sticks to you after 10 minutes. I yeah. mean, where I am here in the <laughs> South, you know, you, I, I, I don't go out and run in cotton or cycle in cotton um, until now <laughs> because, you know, with 552, it doesn't stick to you. Yeah. <laughs> this is a big deal, you know. Um, so it's a natural fiber that has great potential in natural performance, let, let's put it that way. Yeah, and I think what you're touching on really speaks to a lot of core tenants for a lot of different people because for someone focused on just performance, yeah, running in a cotton T-shirt or cycling in a cotton T-shirt, it's tough. Yeah. So if you can have that performance that you get from polyesters without having to worry about the microplastics ending up in your water supply, that's a big win. Yeah. And there you have your performance, you have your environmentally conscious decision to not contribute to microplastics as much to attack that from both ends. I, I think you're just checking off a lot of different boxes for different focus groups there. Yeah. I mean, we, we feel the timing's really good because, you know, as you know, there's an enormous focus now on sustainability, on the environment. Mm -hmm. where, where do your clothes come from? What are the supply chains? So brands are under big pressure to answer those questions. Um, you know, and, and, and all I can say is we'd like to help. Yeah, and I think that's great. So I'd like to take a quick step back and talk about the process for cotton production. And I want to know more about why that hasn't really changed much in the last almost a century, you know, 80 years now where this process has been done basically the same way um, until Fiber 52 hopefully comes in and shakes up the system a little bit. Yeah, there's been a few attempts, but not really in this area. Um, 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 the reason to answer you, uh, question is that um, you know, Matt, that it's a traditional industry. You know, let, let's not change what's broken. Mm -hmm. And you know, the the more the practice, you more the gain. You know that kind of um, that kind of environment. Um, but change hasn't been a big big deal. I have to say. Um, you know, even I'm surprised the dye stuffs changed. You know the the um, the way the dye stuffs are made, the way they react. Um, you know today pretty much the nice yellow shirt that you're wearing mm -hmm. is dyed in what we call reactive dyes. Um, so fiber reactive dyes. And that's another big plus for me in that I can keep the temperature of the, when you process cotton, um, what happens is you, you have to bleach it. You have to get out any vegetable matter and so on out of the cotton um, to make it ready for dye. Mm -hmm. um, the dye stuffs then that you use in the past would be dyed at very, high temperatures or the boil, you know, 208 degrees Fahrenheit, whatever it is. I'm able to do that using bioproducts um, at um, 150 uh, Fahrenheit. Wow. So, you know, that that's in itself is a big saving in, in it. Yeah. Um, but also I'm, I'm able to, you know, not, not, to, not to waste water, not to have to keep reheating it in different dye baths. Um, and so that in itself... With, with the temperatures and with the shorter dwell times, this is a big thing. You know, on that on that initial prepare for dye bleach, um, I can save as much as half the time. Um, and in fact, um, I, I may say we've had a life cycle analysis just completed um, for Fiber 52. We thought that was going to be a big deal. Um, we, we took on board um, uh, a doctor in um, 
a doctor in science, um, and he's used to doing this kind of thing. He collected data from all over the globe, um, you know, different dye houses in Asia, um, some here, as much as we could get. Um, we put it all in the melting pot, and we 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 looked at the traditional method versus Fiber Fifty Two in this life cycle analysis or assessment. Um, what came out was re really interesting, um, and we are going to publish these figures. Um, um, right now, we're just taking them in ourselves. So I've, I've got to say, um, our learned friends, the lawyers, have said, you know, advisedly, you better say, because there are there are big variables in processing. And so when I, when I tell you that we can save fifty percent in in water, it's up to fifty percent. Mm -hmm. Depends on the machinery being used, in what part of the world, and so on. Um, and so we can save up to fifty percent. Uh, of the water being processed normally. Um, we can save up to 50% of the carbon dioxide, actually slightly more. Um, and in time, you know, tremendous time savings there. I, I couldn't put a percentage on it, but in the prepare for dye, you know, I've, I've been, I have been doing um, dyings and processing myself in dye houses. We're not, Fiber 52 is not going to sell fabric we don't intend to sell fabric and garments we sell we want to sell this process mm -hmm. but we want, we want to sell it you know for a, just a small add-on the fact is that even if it were a little bit more expensive in using these bioproducts instead of the standard chemicals you're saving in time in mm -hmm. water and so on brings that cost right back um you know so that's a, again a big challenge for us is to work with processes to say look this is what you're saving um, and also, we hope that the um, the brands will join us as well in putting putting some pressure um, to the to the processes uh, to ensure that you know these more environmental sustainable processes are actually used. And I think that's a really great approach as well to not try to take on the entire cotton or textile industry and you know become the next great producer, but instead saying this is working we can make this way better for all of you and for everyone involved. Instead of disrupting the system, you're just improving the system at the source. And I think that's a really, really great approach. Well, thanks, Matt. Yeah, um, I mean, it is a, an interesting approach because around the world, there's a lot of aged machinery, let's say. The machinery I, I was working on here was all between 25 and 30 years old. It worked great. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, it just wasn't quite as good as the new stuff. But that's what we, we've got. You know, yeah, you can build some more sustainable equipment uh, that might do a more sustainable process, but it might cost you two and a half million dollars to do that. There, are, you know, the guys out in in Southeast Asia may not be able to do that. You know, um, and so what 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 I set out to do, or what we set out to do, was to have a process that is transferable around the globe that can that can help the industry in existing machinery. You don't need to invest in new stuff. And that, you know, that's a big part of this. Yeah. So my next question is is more about the process for developing Fiber 52. How, how did you come to do that? And how exactly does it work in the cotton making process? Um, what, what happens is we start with, mainly we start with fabric. So it's an 80-20 rule in the, in, in the world. There are these machines which are called jet machines. It's a batch process. So we're batch processing fabric, uh, cotton fabric, 
um, to do all the nice colours that, you know, we all like uh, in our T-shirts or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and so I aimed at that batch process to begin with, which is fibre-reactive dyes on knitted and woven cotton fabrics. Um, that's a big part of the world's production. Um, now, I, I'm saying that, I mean, this week, uh, last week and this week, um, in Italy, we are dyeing um, garments, we're dyeing knitted garments that are whole garments. They've been knitted on what are called a whole garment machine. Um, that's becoming a big, it is already a big industry. Um, and we hadn't actually trialed this in garment dyeing. We knew it could work in garment dyeing, but the results were tremendous. So, you know, we're really happy. And that's that's going out to some of the world's largest brands by next week. They'll have those garments in their hands. And they'll be able to see the difference between Fibre 52 and, you know, what's really traditional standard process. That's very exciting. So I guess what I'd like to touch on is maybe something our listeners are wondering right now. When we've talked about Fibre 52 so far, we've said that it's better for the environment. It's better for consumers. It's also cheaper. Is there any sort of catch that, you know, maybe there's some sort of part of this process that it requires more to do this than traditional? Um, not really, no. Um, it's pretty much a replacement. It, it's, you know, it, it's a replacement of what's the norm now. So the guy in the dye house or the girl in the dye house who was doing the loading of the machinery, who was putting the products in there, it's just the same. It's just that you're using a byproduct instead of something that's a bit heavy and probably not as nice. You know, that's it. That kind of sums it up. That's super exciting. And I, I think that we've spoken about this on the show before, but I'm always very inspired and I'm very hopeful for the future when we look at some of these environmentally conscious or more sustainable processes or materials where it seems like several years ago you were picking between the environment or monetization. And now we're kind of reaching a point where there's a lot of different processes and materials where you can use that it's better for your wallet, it's better for the environment, it's better for consumers, and they all kind of intersect. And truthfully, it seems like Fiber 52 is another one of those where there is no downside, whether you're looking at it from an environmental perspective or a monetary perspective. Correct. I mean, we think so, but of course you'd say that, right? We would think <laughs> Uh, but you know the life cycle analysis is one thing that we've done, and we're we're applying a lot of money into testing um, just to show people what Fiber Fifty Two actually does. So we're working with universities, we're working with third party um, testing operations around around the globe to get Fiber Fifty Two objectively measured. Um, I think that's a big deal, and we're halfway through that. You know, so some of the results are out. We can share those results, um, you know, so people in industry can have those. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it, you're absolutely right in your summation. You know, we're at, we're, at, we're at a point, an inflection point, where we're not just starting to choose between price and the environment. Mm -hmm. we, really, we really do have a, a real choice. Yeah, and with all of the the grim news about climate change and about, wildlife conservation where we're losing biodiversity it's it's tough to get excited sometimes and hearing stories like this talking to innovators like you is one of the things that keeps me feeling very hopeful for the future and that you know this next this next decade is going to be a real pivotal moment for 
our country and the world, to be honest, with how we react to climate change and just environmental causes in general, this is one of those sources of, of hope for me. Well, thank you. Yes, very kind of you to say so. Um, you know, we believe we're going in the right direction and, you know, there's a long way to go. Um, but mm-hmm. together, I think we can we can do it. It needs everyone to pull together and, um, and, and do do the right thing for the environment. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to touch on something that might hit our listeners a little bit closer to home. What is something that you feel we as consumers can do to be more sustainable with our clothing or our fashion choices? Yeah, good question. I think, in my opinion, it's to be um, more selective and research how your fabric, your clothing items, or our, uh, me too. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously I look at it very hard. I've got a vested interest, but I also look very careful and always have done it, you know, what I'm wearing. But there's just such more much more information available these days. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you look at natural fibers versus petrol-based products. You know, mm, should I be buying those petrol-based products? Should I be looking more to natural fibers? There's plenty about, you know. Um, yeah, they might cost a little bit more, or but they may be mixed with petrol fibers. You know, who knows? Um, but that that's the kind of decision that can be made. And, you know, has it been sustainably produced? Can I find that out? And brands are really, you know, being held more accountable and being more transparent in supplying that information to consumers. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's really good in that consumers can make a more advised decision. Um, you know, I, I think it's also important to try and find a product, a garment that wears longer. Mm-hmm. You know, one that's got, it doesn't have to cost a lot more, but it's just got more value in it. And that's what we're trying to do again with Fiber 52 is to make your garment wear longer. It doesn't wear out as quickly and it can probably and probably surely can be recycled more often because it's so much stronger. Um, and, you know, uh, we, we love to hear the recycling stories as well um, because, you know, that's that cradle to cradle solution, which yeah. I think is important for the environment. I always think it's funny when I talk to people about, you know, the, the fashion pop culture trends of, of the week or the month. I have never been one to dress particularly well. I kind of like what I like and don't really change it. So now my approach is to call my fashion sense sustainable because I've been wearing the same shirts for several years now. Good. Yeah, that's, that's the way to do it. Absolutely. That's yeah. the way to go. Um, congrats. <laughs> yeah, my, my fashion sense is finally uh, in style just by calling it sustainable now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not far behind you. <laughs> So um, I do have one more question uh, before we move into our fun rapid fire closeout process. But quickly, what are some of the specific perks that you see in using Fiber 52 over traditional cotton? I know we've kind of touched on that throughout this interview, but if the listeners here have one or two quick takeaways, what would you say the elevator pitch is for Fiber 52? Okay, yeah, like one, two, three would have to be one, sustainability, the environment. That's the big Mm -hmm. deal uh, number two is the performance, and one, uh, you know, I, I'll say two A and two B. One is the strength; it's not getting damaged, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know, two B would be the fact that it's a performance fiber. And it's managing, it, it, it's managing your environment. It's managing the way you feel. There's a there's a big comfort factor in it. Um, that's the difference. Awesome. That that all sounds great. 
All right, so we end all of our interviews with three fun rapid fire questions. Right. And are you ready? Yeah, no pressure there. Thanks. <laughs> First one, what is your favorite animal? My cats. Oh, yeah, cats. Yeah. What, what kind of cats? Uh, two moggies that we picked around the world. One's Australian, the other's Chinese, both strays. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Number two, what is something you do to be more sustainable in your own life? Uh, yeah, what we've just been talking about, you know, I, um, I wear my clothes until they're threadbare. Um, you know, that, that's a big, a big deal for me. Um, I, I, I try not to create waste. I think that's really important. Whatever it may be, you know, food um, or apparel, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, we shouldn't create more waste. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree on that one. And not to totally derail the rapid fire, but that question is always kind of interesting for me because we spend 20, 25 minutes talking about some sort of sustainability measure. And then it's always interesting to hear somebody's take on, you know, what that means to them personally. So yeah, I appreciate appreciate that answer. No problem. All right, last one. What is one environmental topic you think my listeners should be more aware of after hearing from you today? I think it's water. You know, again, I, I come back to water being a big deal. There are people around the, mm-hmm. around the world processing textiles who don't have water to drink that, that's clean. You know, and and I hope that this process can help. Um, I think it's one of the biggest challenges the whole world is facing right now environmentally. We've seen it this last year or two. You know. Big, big issues. I mean, you know, I flew out of LA a couple of weeks ago. I couldn't believe what I saw below. You know, the reservoirs, the dams were so far down, um, mm-hmm. you know. And that that may be a short-term thing, I hope, you know. But even longer term, we've got to look at what we're doing. And we've got to try and make an effort to make our water supplies better, more sustainable, and make sure we use less. Or at least we're more sparing with it. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note that people need water to drink. So anytime we can shore up these processes and make it so that dyeing textiles consumes less water, that's more drinking water that's available for people. That's more water to grow vegetables and and fruits that we need for survival. So there's plenty of processes that do rely on water. And like you said, it's important to make sure that that is available moving forward. Yeah, I agree, Matt. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. Graham, thank you so much for your time today. This was really, really fun. I I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners did too. Thank you. And great to meet you, Matt. And um, good luck. Good work. (laughs) Thank you. So if people want to keep up with what you're doing or with Fiber 52, where is the best place to do that? Well, that's our website, fiber52.com. And you'll see that really rolling out over the next few months. We're going to put a lot of information on there all the stuff that we've been talking about today. Awesome. Sounds good. So we'll link that in our show notes. So if you're listening right now, just go to those notes and you can click on the website right there. Awesome, Matt. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Graham. Take care. And that will do it for today's episode of TPT. Thank you again to Graham for his time for this interview. Make sure to hit the link in your show notes to learn more about Graham's company, Fiber 52. We'll be back on Friday for some quick hits to get you into your weekend. It's our last new episode of 2022. Until then, make sure to follow along on our socials at Planet Today Pod for more TPT. For the Planet Today, I'm Matt Norton. See you on Friday.